Hey everyone, happy Friday. As we get closer to the city elections, who exactly will be running them? Plus, how long is too long when you're dining at a restaurant? And will we finally have enough resources to research gun violence in our city? Joining me to talk about all the news is our very own Virgo, Andrew Shell Nova, and Pulitzer Prize finalist, Evan Mintz. It's Friday, August 25th, 2023. I'm Rahil Ramzanali, and here's what Houston's talking about. Happy Friday, Andrew Shell, Evan. How are y'all? Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. I'm doing great. I'm going to jump right into it. I've got a question that has been tearing Houston apart. I don't know if y'all saw this earlier this week, but Grace's in Upper Kirby, which is a popular brunch spot, caught a lot of people's anger and actually some people celebrated it when a user on Twitter posted a card that showed that they needed to wrap up in one and a half hours. So there is a dine-in limit. The new dine-in policy had people split. So I want to start with you, Andrew Shell. Is one and a half hours enough for brunch or any meal? Absolutely. And especially when you're in these fine dining establishments, I am definitely for the fine dining limit. Uh, One of my favorite restaurants is called Little Hen. And that's where I first experienced that. And it definitely makes you get in, get what you need, have your conversation and get on with your day, baby. Shoot. You limited the money of the servers, right? If they're not getting cheeks and seats, they can't make that money. Okay, so we don't need, we ain't got time for you to be cackling all day. Get in, <laughs> eat, and go home. Come on, it's brunch, Aunt Rochelle. Boom. An hour and a half? Come on. You want to spend two or three hours cackling over some eggs? You could do that at the house. Yeah, Evan, how about you? <laughs> no way. I think a good meal really got to last like three to four hours. Evan. You got to sit down, you got to look at the menu, Stop. you got to get your drinks. Your appetizers, your main course. And if there's a problem with people taking too long, House of Pie solved this problem years ago. You just have to say you've got to spend a certain amount of money every hour and you can keep sitting there. Um, just bring on, you know, new eggs, bring on more drinks, and I'll sit there all day. Like you can't interrupt a good meal. That's the fun of a good meal. Oh, see, I knew this was going to get a split. I knew it. I, I knew this was going to happen. I'm with, like, whatever, take your time. It, it just leave a good tip. If you're going to stay a little bit longer, leave a nice tip, okay? Because you are taking up cheeks, right, in the seats. So leave a nice tip. That means you're probably spending yeah. a little bit more, too, if you're sitting around. Y'all, that's not true. As a former waitress, that's how I got my started in all of this. I need you to get up and go. I love you. We're having a good time. I'm going to make sure you're having a good time. But I don't need you cackalacking because if I've already served you, if I've already given you the ticket, the next thing you need to do is pay and move on. Because now it keeps me saying, are you good? Are you good? I am compelled to keep checking on you. And if y'all are looking at me like I'm interrupting your conversation, I need you to go make move that to the bar or something because you ain't buying nothing else. All right, let's talk about some of the biggest news impacting our city. And Trichelle, lead us off. What was the biggest story of the week for you? Listen, Queen Mother will be arriving here in the city in less than 30 days. And I'm talking about Queen Beyonce. Queen Beyonce's Renaissance Tour will be arriving here, actually for the September 24th, stop 30 days from today. And the 23rd uh, spot will is 29 days away. And the city is going crazy, but not just going crazy because Beyonce's coming. They're going crazy because the cheapest seat in the house is 
$4,400. Ladies mm. and gentlemen, if you want to see the queen, you better have made sure you had your coins in a row. Now, it's a good time. It's going to be a grand time, but it will not be for anything less than $400. Oh, my goodness. And now, have you not seen, guys, that Queen Beyonce, because it is officially Virgo season, and we know that Queen Beyonce is a Virgo, she wants everyone to celebrate in their finest silver metallic garments, so therefore she can be... Uh, surrounded by a disco ball array of colors. And I said, well, 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 this is what has the city in an uproar because the queen is coming. She has given out a dress code and you got to pay to play at the Renaissance tour. I will fight back on this a little bit. I think you can wait until the day of and find cheaper tickets because what usually happens on the resale market, people panic because they're going to be like, oh, I just need to get my money back on this. And I think that 400 number will drop significantly. We've seen it on other tours as well, where you just wait the day of. But look, you're playing a game of chicken at this point. So <laughs> if you want no stress and you just want to get in, pay that 400 right now, buy that resale ticket, or just wait as we get closer to the concert. I think that number will drop. Absolutely, Rahia. We have seen on TikTok that the Renaissance concert goers are at are there and they are waiting. They're do hitting the refresh button. Now, did I add these $400 tickets are in the nosebleeds? Okay. I don't believe you need to pay $400 to sit up in the heavens. Okay. You don't. That's not a good seat. But I'm telling you, the nosebleeds for Beyonce is a good time. It is definitely a good time. Definitely a good time. Evan, how about you? What was the biggest story of the week for you? Oh, the biggest story of the week, I think, absolutely, was this Texas state Supreme Court denying Harris County's request to run the November election through the appointed elections administrator. During the last legislative session, Texas passed a law eliminating the office and forcing control of elections back to the county clerk, Tanisha Hudspeth, and tax assessor collector, Ann Harris-Bennett. Now, I have no doubt they'll do a good job, but there's just two months until early voting starts. You combine the potential for chaos with this quick change with the state's ability to take over Harris County elections, and you have a legal coup on our hands. And what really stands out to me is that it's not as if we have a long history of these elected positions running seamless elections. You know, you can look back at Stan Stannard when he was in control, and you had all of these scandals of millions of dollars worth of iPads sitting unused that he bought to run local elections, poll books that didn't work on election day, surprise multi-million dollar rotating funds that he was running from license fees. It was bizarre. And 2012, tax assessor collector Don Summers was sued for rejecting too many voter registration applications and refusing to provide information as to why. In fact, that year, 2012, during those primaries, the county posted erroneous election results. The lines were too long and uh, some elections were run on the wrong boundaries. You had people voting in elections they shouldn't have been allowed to vote in. And at the time, what did County Judge Ed Emmett say? Well, maybe we should just have an appointed elections administrator to run this, just like 85 other Texas counties, including most of the big ones. But here we are now flip-flopping around for partisan reasons. It really is disappointing, and I hope our election is run well. If you are concerned about a well-run election day, I say stand up, go out and become an election volunteer judge. So what do you think happens? Do you, do you think it's going to be a nightmare or do you think people who don't like aren't following this story right now, they probably won't even notice and they'll be able to get their vote in and move on with their day? 
That is my hope. You know, it's a city election. It's probably lower turnout that we're going to have in a presidential year. I think Tanisha Hudspeth uh, has a lot of experience in the office and will hopefully do a really good job at this. But I think the state is also looking for excuses to mess with Harris County. You've got to be flawless when folks are looking uh, to put a target on your back. Absolutely. Shout out to Nisha Hudspeth and her team. I have high hopes and great faith in her, her ability. And like you said, Evan, she's a she's a veteran in the game. She knows what she's doing. Mm -hmm. She can handle it. She can handle this. And I have faith in her. Now, put it like this. When she does it right, watch nobody says say anything. But we'll make sure that we'll come back and report and we'll give her her props because she so well deserves it. I like that. Oh, absolutely. If there's a bias in media, it is for negative coverage. People don't get the attention they deserve for doing a good job. Absolutely. All right. My biggest story of the week, as students return to school in all districts, HISD coming up on Monday, a new study found that students are still recovering from pandemic learning loss. So by measuring STAR results, Good Reason Houston found that most districts saw a small improvement from 2022 to 2023, and only Spring Branch saw rates go back to pre-pandemic levels. Now, the test was fully online last year, so maybe that had some something to do with it, but scores are barely getting better. Math scores were lagging behind reading scores. And nationally, that is the same trend with math versus reading. So, uh, you know, another thing to worry about for parents, I know everyone's stressed out about what's happening at HISD. People are worried about safety in schools across all districts. But now the star results are showing that the kids aren't getting that much better right now because of the pandemic. I have so many things to say about this because as we discuss, my child will be entering HISD on Monday. And I'm sad to hear that this is not getting better, right? I'm sad to hear these things, but who do you fault, right? Who do we blame? Do we blame the parents or do we blame the teachers? What do you do in this situation, you guys? HISD has been the headlines so much recently. And I've got two big thoughts. One is that it's kind of disappointing how much of the debate isn't about student outcomes. It's about other things. It's about culture wars. It's about books in the libraries. It's not about whether we're actually teaching students what they need to know. But another part of it is that HISD is just so big, it's almost impossible to say any one thing about HISD. You have more than 500 schools. There is no HISD. There's a bunch of individual schools, and I imagine some of them are up. Some of them are down. It's hard to get some sort of overarching picture that can really be useful to you when you have such a massive organization. Andrew Shell, you know, for your son, this would be a good case of figuring out because he is starting kindergarten. He's not going to take this test until third grade. My daughter will be taking this test for the first time because she is a third grader and she started kindergarten during the pandemic. So it, I want to see how she does on this test, even though she's been in school for the last two years, face to face, all that good stuff. But for your son, he is just going to be face to face, right? Like the, right. he doesn't know about the online learning struggles that we all had a few years ago. So it'd be let's see how the test results are in the next five years. But 
you know, the star results, uh, I know teachers don't like them because it's all about those results and not about actually teaching because that's how they measure success now. So it, this is something to watch out for. Absolutely. Rahia, let me ask you this. What are you doing to get your daughter prepared? Are you practicing at home? Like what is what is the conversation getting your daughter ready, like from your point of view? Yeah. I mean, we've always done, you know, 30 minutes of reading every single day. We give her math problems, all that good stuff. But we're going to follow the teacher's guidance, right? Like, what do we need to do to get her ready for the star test? We'll see how she tests because that, at the end of the day, it's how do you test? Yeah. And that is a scary thing. Like for me, when I was in school, I hated tests. I hated any kind of standardized test because it just made me nervous. And that wasn't a true sense of who I am as a student or as somebody who can learn or not. So this has been a big debate for a while, but we'll see how this all works out. Now, I think you're really onto something. My wife likes to tell the story about when she was little, little, kindergarten, first grade, and she had trouble with fine motor skills. She tried to take tests and just couldn't write down the answers. Her fingers weren't working right. They thought, oh, maybe does she have developmental issues? And then one day the teacher decides to ask her the questions and just have her answer out loud, and she aces it. Mm -hmm. You know, some students just, it's those weird aspects of test taking, of sitting down, of writing down your answers that they struggle with not knowing the answer. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Aunt Rochelle, let's talk about the most overlooked story for you. What do you got? Listen, I don't know if it's overlooked, but it's definitely something that you need to know. If you will, are paying attention, you will realize that all of my stories have one thing in common. It's Virgo season. <laughs> and this brand is asking for anybody who was born September 9th, 1999, to redo their birthday and they will pay them $9,999. Yes, there is a liquor company called 99 Brand and they are offering the fans a chance to do a 21st redo birthday patch. It's called Party Like It's 1999 Sweepstakes. And ladies and gentlemen, it opens today and runs all the way through September 7th. And the winner will be notified on their birthday because they say, how cool would it have been for someone to celebrate their birthday on $9,999, right? But it was beyond their control because they were born that day. Now, I have an issue with this, and let me tell you guys why. My birthday is September 9th, 1980. What they gonna do about me? Hey, why don't you apply? Just apply and just say it was 1999. Listen, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna lie to the people, but I'm Come gonna on. tell them I need this party to redo it because that was my senior year in high school and that was a terrible day. <laughs> <laughs> for me, because that was the year that I turned 19 that year. And I remember the MTV Awards came on that year. So I had to end whatever I was doing so I could be at home to to watch the MTV Movie Awards that day. So, yeah, mm -hmm. I need a redo. That was my 19th birthday, but I need to redo. How would you redo your 21st birthday? I want to stick on that one. How would you redo it? I would redo. Let me tell you how I redo it because my 21st birthday was real low key. I had a drink with my mama 
And that was like, I should have never done this because she is a serious Christian. And that was not fun because she was she was like drunk off of a sip. And that was just not. I had a, <laughs> a Joe's Crab Shack Shakerita because I wanted one so bad. I would totally redo it. I would totally party it up like uh, Airbnb mansion, uh, the cars, the photo shoot, the bling. I would oh definitely have DJ Superstar mixing on the ones and twos. It would be nothing but an A-list of Houston influencers, all of my friends, the city cast crew, it's going down. Like I'm gonna have a full performance, right? It's gonna be a full choreograph. I'm gonna call come through the ceiling. Do you understand? I'm gonna fly through. <laughs> I'm gonna fly through. If I had the chance to redo this, I'm going all out because I there didn't get go. that chance to do that when I turned 21, you guys. Hey, I'm just happy we get the invite, Evan. You and I will be there. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, I'm excited. Raquel, what did you do for your 21st birthday? You know, I went to a restaurant in Austin. I was in school at UT and there's a restaurant called Easy's and one of my favorite mm -hmm. sandwiches. I I literally just went there and then I watched a college basketball game because that was my favorite thing to do. I, it was Mine was super low key. So, you know, I don't drink. So I, I didn't drink. It wasn't a huge moment for me or anything like that. It was just a low key birthday, just like what most of my birthdays are. Yeah, that sounds nice. Yeah. How about you? I was thinking of this. I don't even remember my 21st birthday because my birthday is in the end of May. And so I was either just probably like studying for finals or like <laughs> school is already over and I was at like some summer internship. I don't remember. I remember my 22nd because it aligned well with like graduation. And so I had friends over and we went swimming and we drank like a giant tub of margaritas. Like that was great. Nice. That's good right there. How about let's stick with you, Evan. What was your most overlooked story? I think the most overlooked story is uh, news that UTMB in Galveston is getting a $2 million grant from the CDC to study gun violence in Houston. Now, that might not seem like a huge project, just $2 million, but it is massive because for 25 years, Congress refused to fund this type of basic research into gun policy and gun data. Now, that changed in 2019, but it still isn't nearly enough. If you look at the top 20 causes of death in the United States, you almost have a linear one-to-one to one relationship between the number of people who die from it and the amount of money we spend on it. You look at sepsis and heart attacks and AIDS, but gun violence is way down there. We need to spend about $600 million over five years just to fill that knowledge and data gap. And this $2 million grant is an important step in the right direction. They're going to be collecting data on arrest records, on known gun carriers, and just generally try to figure out what are the underlying factors that influence gun violence. We need knowledge to help keep people safe. We need basic data and information. Otherwise, we're going to have policymakers just trying to implement policies that we know aren't going to work. Yeah. And earlier this year, Harris County did release that report on youth gun violence. And one of the big things we had the writers of that report on the podcast, and they were just saying there's still just not enough data. And that is a huge thing. We need more data. We need more tracking of what's happening. So mm -hmm. hopefully this gives us a better picture of what really is happening and what we can do. We really hope so. I know that at City Hall, Abby Kamen is trying to create some sort of dashboard for gun violence in Houston, but you can't just rely on data from law enforcement. You have to also look at data in hospitals because not every gunshot ends up in a call to 911, but almost every gunshot ends up with somebody in a hospital. So you have to look at billing records, if anything, to figure out what's actually going on out there. It is bizarre. And hopefully this study at UTMB will help shine a light. All right, my most overlooked story, y'all sit back and help me 
understand this, okay? So this website, Pest Gnome, named Houston the fifth worst city for rats. Now, I know we're going to get your thoughts in a second that this whole thing was decided by a whole host of factors. But the one that stood out to me was that we were the dirtiest city. How does that make sense? We are not the dirtiest city. There's there's New York City. That is the dirtiest city. How is this possible? And are rats really an issue in the city? Shut up. Who lied to these people? Where are they getting this from? You right, Raheel. Have they not thought about New York City? Listen, that's where Master Splinter comes from, the streets of mm-hmm. New York, right? That's where he was homegrown. Houston ain't even in the top 10 when it comes to the rats. Like, what are they talking? I know. Evan, thoughts? That just seems odd. And maybe, you know, we're, we're comparing apples to oranges here. Like when you see a whole bunch of rats in New York City, they're not where they're supposed to be. You know, you got a big crowded city. It's supposed to be people. You don't want a lot of rodents running around. In Houston, we got a lot more green space. People have their yards. If you've got like some rats living out in the grass, like more power to them. That's where animals are supposed to be. So overall, New York was number one for most vulnerable cities for rat infestation. Number two was L.A., Number three was Jersey City. Number four was Philadelphia. Number five was Houston. And behind us, you got Newark and San Francisco. And Miami was on the list. They hating. They hating. Yeah, I don't get this at all. This is a hater. Let me tell you. Now, if they would have said roaches or cockroaches or flying roaches, I would have said, okay, I get it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We, we, Okay, you get it because it's hot. They're trying to hide. I get it. Show me these Texas rats. Show them to me. I want to see what they look like because y'all tripping. <laughs> Our rats are laid back. They're just sitting on swangas. Yeah. Right. They be chilling. They be chilling. They chilling. They're chill. They're not bothering anyone. They ain't bothering nobody. <laughs> they're just on their, they're just riding a slab. <laughs> when I was in New York, I had to put like all my food in the fridge or in metal boxes or anything because rats would come in and get it. You don't have to deal with that in Houston. No. Like, the rats know the rats are fine. Yeah. Our rats are cool. We laid back. It's all good. All right. Let's get your moment of joy, Aunt Rochelle. Uh, have you guys not noticed what's bringing me joy? It's Virgo season. <laughs> There's something about a Virgo. And not just a September Virgo, y'all. It's coming. It's Virgo season. I need everybody to move out the way and let us do everything. You know, there was a meme that says Virgos think that God left them in charge. And he did. <laughs> <laughs> And he did. Listen, move out the way. Let us have this moment. It will be Libra season soon, and they will bring back the balance in all the world. But as for right now, it's Virgo season. You guys get ready to celebrate me for my birthday, September the 9th. It will go down in epic proportions. Enjoy your day. Congratulations. There you go. I had no idea it was Virgo season. Yeah, congratulations. It is Virgo season. Thank you, guys. (laughs) I don't know what season it is. Are we we in Virgo season right now still? Listen, Raheel, it started this week. Okay, focus. Focus, Raheel. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Evan, how about you? Is Virgo season uh, the big thing for you as well? What's your moment of joy? Oh, it's not Virgo season. It's pumpkin spice latte season. Oh, my my God. Starbucks brought back pumpkin spice lattes, and I love it. I'm ready with my scarf and my sweater. I'm ready to sip on my piping hot pumpkin spice latte that might or might not be cooler than it actually is outside. But that's fine. You know, 
autumn is a state of mind in Houston. We don't get a lot of the trees changing colors. We don't get those brisky days. You know, I can't count the number of times I've been sweating through my costume in Halloween. So you have to make your own season. And I'm going to be doing it by sipping on my pumpkin spice lattes. Yes, they have cold versions. They have iced versions. They now this year have a pumpkin cream cold brew. No. No compromise. I am getting my hot pumpkin spice latte. <laughs> hey, our trees do change colors here, Evan. It's just they're dead. That's the problem because it's so hot still. They, they turn yeah. brown in summer and then green again in fall and then brown again in winter. Yeah, that's a, okay. I did not think you were going to pick pumpkin spice lattes today, but I, hey. I did not either. That totally threw me off. <laughs> I, I sure. love them. They're delicious. It's great. Boo, uh, no. What? <laughs> you no. don't like a mantra show? Hell no, I don't like that. Just the other week, you were talking about how much sugar you put in your coffee. Listen, but I don't like pumpkin in my coffee. Now, one thing I can tell you, Evan, you are correct. Starbucks has brought out their fall drinks and the apple crisp macchiato is my jam. That okay. is mm. my jam. Now I'm going to tell you now, you should get the apple crisp macchiato shaken and upside down because if you don't, all the yummy goodness is at the bottom and it's bitter at the top. And when you shake it and have it flipped upside down, it makes it so much better. And you get that good apple crisp taste. You get the caramel, you get the coffee. It is a warm hug for the fall season and you get your 16 packets of sugar and you get 13 raheel focus 13 <laughs> i still can't believe that that was you were wilding out answer shell okay i'm gonna end things with food as well one of my favorite places in the city of houston is celebrating its 25th birthday el bolio the best panaderia in the city they've got all sorts of delicious desserts the airline location is iconic and you can get over 150 types of pastries, but the Trace Leches is by far the best thing they offer. Every time I'm in that area, I have to stop by and get me some baked goods, some Trace Leches, and also just go and say hi to the people there because they're so awesome. And one of the cool things is they're run by the same group that runs Common Bond, which is you know oh. one of the fanciest bakeries. And they are expanding. They also have four locations now, one in Mission Bend, which is near me, so I love it. I can go there as well and on september 15th every location will offer 50 percent off their conchas so go get it go enjoy one of the best places in the city el bolillo mm, can't wait mm -hmm. all right evan and Trishel, that was a lot of fun thank you so much enjoy your weekend and virgo season and pumpkin spice lattes <laughs> hey that's the kind of weekend it's going to be thank y'all so much all right happy friday peace everybody see y'all next time That was Antrichel Nova and Evan Mintz. You can find all of the links in our show notes. That will do it for this week here on CityCast Houston. Our lead producer is Dina Kespa. Our producers are Carlyon Jones, AK Al Moment, and Elizabeth Kama. Our newsletter editor is Brooke Lewis, and the host is me, Raheel Ramzanami. Our music is by the band All the Kimonos. We'll be back on Monday with a back-to-school episode to talk about what issues parents are really concerned about across the city. Thank you for listening, and I hope you learned something new. Bye.